This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing one-on-one comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services, including women's health, chronic pain treatment, TMJ, and more, with four locations in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, and McGuanago, Wisconsin. More information at freedompt.com. Hi, everyone. This is Brady from the Freedom Talks podcast. Uh, Today, we've got Austin Burledge. He is a physical therapist at our Brookfield office, and we're here today to talk a little bit about him and about uh, some of the treatment practices he does. Um, We're going to touch on vestibular conditions um, and vertigo when when we hit the second uh, part of the podcast. So, uh, Austin, how are you doing today? Brady, good morning. I'm doing great. Doing great. It's been a been a good morning so far. Treated a couple of patients. Now I get to uh, hang out with you and talk. So looking yeah, forward to it. I was really excited for this one. Um, so you just got out of PT school a while ago, correct? Yeah, not too long ago. So that was about a little over a year ago. Um, so it's nice. Been treating patients and, and practicing as a PT for a better part of a year. And it's been great. Really enjoyed it here. All at Freedom, too. Yeah, it's crazy how fast this past year has gone. Um, it's crazy to think for you've sure. been with us for, for sure. over a year probably. Yeah, yeah, and we've been growing like crazy. You know, we just, we switched over to the electronic health record too, and I mean, there's been so much going on here that we've we've been doing. I some days it feels like it's been, I've been working ten years, and some days I feel like I just started. So, yeah. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit because yeah. uh, I've talked to a few of the new grad hires that we've had at the company and. Uh, you know, I get comments every once in a while that it's a little bit different uh, in practice than it was kind of like you had in your head at PT school. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, like when you start PT school, you don't really know what you're going to hit until maybe you hit your, your clinical rotations, right? Yeah. Um, has your vision of what you thought day-to-day life would be changed from the beginning of PT school to kind of where you are now, almost a, a year into a uh, practicing yeah it's it's weird you know you kind of know all of that stuff when you're a student but it's not on the forefront of your mind because um when you're a student you're you know doing homework and and a lot of your time is in class work and then you get out into the clinic uh, and and you're given this this designated clinical instructor who will um, basically mentor you uh but you kind of always have in the back of your mind, like, well, I'm a student and I'm working as an extension of their license. So some of the uh, responsibility, I guess, would be, uh, it's maybe not on the forefront of your mind. And then when you, when you get out and you have your license and it's now it's, it's all up to you. And some of that comes more to the forefront. You're like, Whoa, like, you know, that's a lot of responsibility, but, uh, but it's good to have. And some clinical instructors too are, um, give you an easy way out so to speak so you know if if you do a whole day of work and um it's been a 10-hour day and you know they're like all you have left is notes some of them will just say like i'll do the note you can go home you know and so not all the time but but sometimes and so uh 
you get practice writing notes, but sometimes you don't have to do all of the notes. You don't have to answer the emails about insurance questions sometimes, you know, little things like that. And then when you get out, you got to do it all. You got to, you got to manage the insurance visits. You got to communicate with doctors. You got to, um, make sure that everything is, um, done on time. Um, no one's checking that for you. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's changed, um, like like night and day because uh, you you still know that's that's part of the job but when it all gets put on your plate officially and, and you see that it, it takes some getting used to for sure. So when you were looking for a job coming out of school, what were kind of some of the maybe the other companies that you were looking at joining? Um, yeah. And what were you looking for yeah. in a practice kind of when you were coming out of school? Yeah, I had I had two things. Uh, that were I absolutely had to have uh, in in any place that I was going to consider um, working for. And, and the first one is a, a place that really believed in one-on-one patient interaction. So um, you see more and more in physical therapy today where uh, clinics are, are starting to embrace more of the every 30-minute model, and they, they're cranking patients through and, um, yeah every half hour you've got a new patient coming in and the treatment sessions are going a lot longer than 30 minutes. So you, as a PT, you're in a position where you've got multiple patients in the clinic at one time and you're trying to delegate between um, therapy aides or potentially physical therapy assistants to make sure everyone's getting an appropriate um, amount of care and guidance while they're in the session. Um, and I spent time at a, at a clinic for 10 weeks in one of my clinical rotation spots at a facility like that. And I, I loved it as a student because the volume, you, you really get to hone in on your skills and establish um, some repetition. And I think the repetition helps build your skill set. So I thought from a student standpoint, it really prepared me well. But from a career standpoint, I really value that one-on-one time with my patients um, for the whole 45 minutes. And I think the patients do too. And one thing I've also noticed um, is just how big of a role the mental aspect of PT can play. And and I really like to be present with my patients the whole time and encourage them and prepare them um, mentally. Uh, so I really was a believer in that. Um, I was thankful for my, for my education, but I really wanted to be at a place where I could work with my patients for 45 minutes plus um, each day and, and freedom offered that. And I was so thankful for that. And the, the second thing I was looking for is a place where I could come in and be mentored. You know, um, I knew coming out of school that I had all this great information. Um, but I also knew there was so much left for me to, to learn. And, um, and there were, I had this access to these therapists that were going to be, you know, had 25, 30 years of experience. And I wanted to draw on that. And I wanted to be in an environment where I was being nurtured and that was encouraged and, and there would be sharing of skills. And it wasn't just kind of a situation where it's like, all right, here's your caseload, go for it, um, do your own thing. Um, and so those were the, the two things that were on my mind. And um, I, I had quite a bit of interviews with Freedom. I, I still joke with uh, the clinic manager, Jeff, here about that a lot because I think I had like four or five interviews before they finally offered me a position. Oh, geez, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I joked with Jeff by the fifth one. I'm like, all right, come on. Like, <laughs> you got to like me by now. You're right? obviously like, interested. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, but I, I joked with him about that. And um, that, those were two things that Jeff really, really stressed to when I was joining the team was just um, how they would take me in. And um, I would learn from all the therapists here. And like, you know, Brady Mike um, is, is big with his TMJ information. And he's been great about pursu- like giving me options to have continuing ed um, with with that as well, so I was just freedom checked all my boxes, but those two were the the ones that needed to be checked, and they did, and I was I've been really thankful. Awesome. Uh, so speaking of continuing education, um, yeah, you kind of have clearly put some thought into how you want your career to go, and um, where do you see your career taking you in terms of? Uh, what specialties do you want to kind of dive into and sure. what do you want to become, you know, super proficient at treating? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a hard question because yeah, I want to, I want to be able to treat everything, you know, and, and that's just unrealistic. And um, that's why we build teams where you have certain people specializing in certain areas. So as a clinic, you can offer everything, but um, um, you know, Part of me, the the type A part of me wants to be perfect at everything, but the things that I really want to get uh, a lot better at are, uh, number one, manual therapy techniques, because we're so um, uh, hands-on in our approach at Freedom, uh, at least in our clinic, and I, I think it the same holds up for McGuanago and, and Grafton and Fox Point as well. Um, so being able to grow my manual skills is huge for me. I, I've seen that really um, make it an impact on my patients for sure. And, um, uh, I've already done a little bit with the, with dry needling and stuff, which has been great. So wanting to expand that, um, uh, I'd like to get a little bit more, um, specific with sport performance. And, um, sometimes I think that can be just so broad, but I, I obviously love football and, uh, um, being able to with my, well, with my background in, in playing quarterback and, and, and coaching and playing football, I really like the shoulder. So, um, more information on the throwing athlete is something that I'm looking into. And we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast too, but expanding my knowledge of um, dizziness, balance, vestibular disorders is something that I'm really uh, looking forward to do as well. So you, you talked a little bit about your background as a football coach and you Mm -hmm. had a playing, playing career, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that obviously had a little bit of influence on, probably your decision to become a PT. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely did. I mean, I, I really chose to be a PT or I, I knew I wanted to be one, um, back when I was about nine is what I tell people. Cause I had ended up having a, a tumor in my leg actually, which was benign, thankfully. Um, but I had it taken out and I remember going to physical therapy after, um, having it removed and learning how to use my crutches again. And I got to go to this, this gym and play on mats and jump on balls and do all this stuff. And, um, I just loved it. It was so fun. And so I, I started with, um, an interest in PT, kind of like how any, most PTs are that way. They had a great experience with it and they, they wanted to do it. And, um, but as I, as I grew up a little bit, um, you know, I played a lot of football. I had a big interest in the human body, how it moves, how it works. Um, and I just kept pursuing education with that. And, um, yeah. And so I would say initial event was, was having my positive experience with it, but, um, playing football, you get aches and pains and bumps and bruises. You go to more PT and, 
Um, I just got lucky where I had some really great PTs in my life that um, that mentored me, that gave me great care, and kind of made me decide, yeah, that's what I want to do. So that that interest a little bit in vestibular and and BPPV and uh, nystagmus issues and things like that, which we'll get into a little bit what that is later, but there's a there's a bit of a tie in there with uh, like the concussion issue yeah. in football and things like that. Yeah, is that have did that have any kind of effect on sparking your interest in that area? Yeah, it it definitely did. I I didn't know too much about concussions like when I when I was playing, which uh, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but, but I mean, the science has grown yeah tremendously right. even in the past ten years or so. so. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'll just say too from my coaching background, even like I remember as a player, you know, we talked for maybe five minutes, one practice, just hey, this is your helmet, use it correctly, and that was really it. Um, and now, you know, at least where I've coached, all the youth coaches are um, certified, and you have to understand the signs of a concussion and um, what to do when a, a child is demonstrating those signs and. And that's just from a coaching level. And like you said, the science has really expanded too. So um, yeah, as I got into PT school and as the concussion um, information has kind of come more into uh, the public view, uh, which has been sparked by, you know, um, the the stuff going on in the NFL and some movies coming out and everything. But uh, as I learned more and more um, about that, uh, and we, I had some classes and stuff too, and I'm like, wow, I could, I could really make a difference for some of the football athletes that I, I like so much. Um, I could offer them in addition to any type of regular um, ache or pain they would get from, you know, general playing. If concussions are huge in that sport, and, and not as other sports too, and, and I think sometimes football gets a bad rap, but we'll save that for another podcast, I think. <laughs> but, um, but being able to offer that as a as a treatment for a lot of the players that I have I, I thought oh, that'd be really great if I can learn more and, and treat better especially the the young population um, because I, I think there's so much value to playing football and organized team athletics and so being able to get those kids back into playing as as quick as possible um, that was huge for me so it definitely pushed me toward an interest in that one more thing I want to touch yeah. on that you you mentioned earlier is that you had kind of talked about, uh, physical therapy as a way of um, not only rehabilitation but sports performance and, yeah. and increasing the ability of the athlete. And I think that gets overlooked a lot. You know, you talk about PT in the general population is like, well, if I've really got something wrong, that's when I go into a PT. Yeah. But I think we've seen a lot of places, you know, a lot of research that's come out uh, and just a lot of anecdotal evidence that PT really can increase performance in all kinds of athletes. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak to that a little bit in terms of how PT can benefit an athlete and improve their performance, make them uh, just better overall at whatever they're trying to accomplish? Yeah, I, absolutely. So I guess the best example that I can give of that is, um, so Jeff and I here in the Brookfield Clinic talk a lot about this concept of inhibitory weakness, but um, you know, I'll try to put it put it simply. But you have these young uh, athletes that um, they'll go to school for what, eight hours a day, and that's almost all sitting. You know, you're sitting in the classroom, and um, and they'll 
they'll get into these weird postures, you know, it's not that much different than an adult, but, um, you know what I'm talking about with the forward head and the shoulders really hunched over and, um, and they'll sit in these postures all day and then they go to after school activity, sports, lifting, whatever. And when you spend time in, in a poor posture for eight hours a day, your body is going to adapt that posture. And when you're trying to do, um, certain sports specific activities, uh, your muscles may not be able to, um, you might not be able to recruit them appropriately, move appropriately, um, or to their full capacity. So, um, we see a great amount of improvement for our athletes where we can show them, Hey, this is where your, your posture is at fault. And this is how you assume the correct posture. And once you get that, this is how you strengthen within that posture. And, and they have really responded well to that. And, and when you can get strong within a correct posture, a lot of um, pain goes away and it, it carries over toward the injury prevention side of things where now you're more stable. And then when you're doing athletic activity, you, you have less of a risk for injuring whatever body part it may be. So um, certainly have seen a lot that PT can do both in rehab, but also, also um, preventatively uh, for taking care of some of those kids. Sure. I just, I, I really love that aspect of PT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you could speak to that Absolutely. a little bit. All right. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and then we're going to get into vestibular conditions, BBPV and nystagmus. Um, so we'll see you on the other side of the break. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, providing exceptional one-to-one hands-on care to the greater Milwaukee area for over 25 years. Our physical and occupational therapists prepare custom plans for your condition to relieve pain and improve performance. Allow us to help you enjoy more freedom at freedompt.com. Welcome back to the Freedom Talks podcast. We're here to do the second segment uh, of our podcast with Austin, and we're going to talk a little bit right now about vestibular conditions. Uh, It's one of Austin's areas of emphasis in his practice. So Austin, how did you learn about how to treat vestibular imbalance conditions in the first place? How did you, how were you introduced to it? Yeah, I, I just got really lucky. Um, it's something that you're exposed to in PT school. It's, it's usually something that you get more continuing education in after school. But one of my professors for a a neurology class that we had, um, we had a lecture on vestibular conditions and it was, uh, I want to say it was eight hours. Maybe I was, maybe I'm misremembering. It might've been six, but it was a full day of nothing but vestibular stuff. And so, um, you know, you're looking ahead to this lecture you're like, oh my gosh, I got to learn about just vestibular stuff for all day. Or, oh gosh, it was kind of one of those things you weren't really looking forward to. And the day came and the speaker was really engaging and the, the information was really just interesting. And, um, she was able to bring in some of the concussion stuff, which like we talked about earlier, um, I was really interested in because of my football background. And she brought in some, um, some really cool pieces of equipment like Frenzel goggles, which are, um, they're these really goofy looking goggles, but it makes your eyes look really, really big. And then you can track nystagmus, which we'll talk about later. And, um, and I came away at like it didn't. It was one of those eight-hour days that just felt like it just flew by. I'm like, wow, that was kind of that was kind of cool. And then on my uh, final 
clinical rotation, um, both of my clinical instructors had uh, additional training in treating vestibular con- conditions. So I had a front row seat to, you know, how do we treat this stuff? Um, and and it was really cool. And, and their patients, most of them, especially the ones with BPPV, got better within a day. And that was something that really struck me because a lot of the times with PT, you know, you're, you're trying to convince people to buy into the program. You know, it's like, hey, you have um, you have, you have knee pain and it's the you've got weak glutes and if we can just strengthen those glutes and it's going to take, you know, eight weeks, but we can get you there and your pain's going to go away. And sometimes it's hard for patients, I think, to buy into putting in all the work to get to that point. But with some vestibular conditions, especially the BPPV, it's, you know, you can treat it and they feel better when they're walking out the door. And, and so I really loved the, the idea that I could make someone better they could start. They could come in feeling one way, and I could send them out feeling better. Um, and and I was like, wow, that'd be great if I could have that skill. So um, that's where I got exposed to it. That's sort of what started me on this track of being really interested in it. So you talked a little bit about BPB, BBPV. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I I've been exposed to a little bit. I've been yeah. with the company coming on four years now. I've yeah. seen a few. Th- few patients come through with this condition and they're having, you know, vertigo symptoms where they're like spinning like crazy. Mm-hmm. They, they're dizzy. They walk in, yeah. you can tell they're just miserable. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a therapist that knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and they do a treatment and the patient is walking out and are like, I feel a lot better. Pretty much good as new. Yeah. 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 Um, so what, what is BP, BBPV? Um, and why is it so effectively treated by a physical therapist? Yeah, um, so BPPV, uh, we'll break it down. So it stands for benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Um, so that we'll, <laughs> a couple big words that makes it sound scary, but uh, if you break it apart, not that confusing. So benign, meaning it's, it's not life-threatening or um, particularly dangerous. Um, you do feel, like you mentioned, you feel miserable. It's like, feel awful the world is spinning around you so it can be scary and it can make you feel very lousy but um, not dangerous not life-threatening it's benign Um, paroxysmal um, just meaning that your symptoms are going to come on suddenly Um, oftentimes they come on intensely so you're not you're just kind of sitting there all of a sudden just bang you get hit by this wave of like well I'm really dizzy Um, positional uh, well, it just means it depends on your position. So a lot of the time people will say, you know, like, well, when I'm lying down, it's, oh, my head is just, I'm spinning like crazy. But if I hold it in another position, it, it kind of goes away. Um, and I'll touch on that a little bit later, why that is. But um, that's the positional component. And then the vertigo is talking about your symptoms. So spinning is probably the number one thing um, that you'll hear. Um, people say, like, it's like I'm on a, um, a carousel and I can't get off. Um but yeah, dizziness, whirling, loss of balance, um, all those types of, of symptoms fall under just this category of, of vertigo. So it all it gets shrunk down to BPPV as a diagnosis. And oftentimes people will just say, you know, well, I'm having vertigo, which is a little bit of a misnomer because um, you can have vertigo, the symptom, with other um, other diagnosis. So um, BPPV is its separate 
category, a separate diagnosis, and um, vertigo is just a, one of the, the symptoms or the primary symptom of that, but it can be a symptom of other things. But So, yeah, that's what it is. Um, what's happening is you have these um, crystals. It so, this sounds crazy. It's hard, like... People think I'm crazy when I'm talking about this stuff. It but is. When, when, yeah. I, when I first heard about it, <laughs> and, and someone ear. explained to me, I was like, all right. Like, wait, really? Um, yeah, they're like these microscopic uh, crystals. They're called otoconia. Um, and what happens is they, they fall off of a structure in your inner ear, and they fall into one of three semicircular canals um, in your inner ear. You have a... Um, most of the time, it'll fall into your um, posterior canal, um, like 85% of the time. And then I want to say another like 10 to 14 percent, it's in the horizontal canal. And then the research will say like one to two percent is in the anterior canal. I don't think I've ever seen an anterior canal BPPV before. I don't know anyone that has. I'm sure it's happened. Um, But most of the time it's the posterior canal, occasionally horizontal. Um, So you have fluid within these inner ear canals that kind of tell you how you're moving your head's moving you're moving you know by walking things like that Um, when these crystals get in there you'll move your head the fluid will move the crystals will move in the fluid you'll stop moving your head but the crystals continue to move which continues to push the fluid in there which signals um, to your brain that you're still moving even though you're not so that's why people will just be sitting down and they'll be like, oh my gosh, like it feels like I'm just spinning around like crazy. It's because those crystals are are moving around in the fluid of the canal and uh, and giving you this faulty message. So the reason it's effectively treated is you actually use gravity. So you're, there's a method to determining which ear is involved, whether it's your right or left side, and which canal is involved. And like I said, most of the time it's the posterior. And once you identify that, you can use gravity, you know, lay the, per, uh, the patient in certain positions, and gravity will suck those, those crystals down to the bottom of the canal or the top of the canal, and you'll, you'll pull it out. Um, and that's why patients get better so quickly is because you, you move through this series of positions, and it's a little provocative because the crystals are moving, and it's, it's, we'll give, it'll kind of shake you up a little bit and then settle down. And when those crystals come out of the canal, there's nothing left in there that's like signaling a um, movement that's not there. So all of a sudden, people will get up and they'll be like, "Oh, like I'm not. It's not moving anymore." And, and that's that's really fun as a therapist when you're like, "Okay, like we got it," you know. Um, and, and what makes it really effective? So they, they'll still feel like. I've never been on a cruise before, but patients will say, like, well, it feels like when I got off of a cruise. I'm like, oh, I need to go on a cruise now just so I know what it feels <laughs> like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they'll, they'll kind of get up. And, and so for the next day or so, they'll say, like, well, it's, I feel uneasy, but I'm not spinning. I'm not, um, you know, the world isn't whirling around me. And if I just relax for a day, then they get way better. And, and, and then it's gone and they can go about their day. So, yeah. So this is one of the conditions that can cause vertigo, like you said. Yeah. Like vertigo is a yeah. symptom of yeah. BBPV. Yeah. When how common is BPV, BBPV compared to other vestibular conditions, 
And if you're dizzy or feeling like you have vertigo symptoms, when should you contact a PT versus yeah. when should you go to your doctor? When do you yeah. need to see like an ear, nose and throat guy? Mm-hmm. That, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, great question. It, it's one of the more common vestibular diseases for sure. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, I'll, I'll just say anecdotally, um, people always ask me like, well, am I likely to get this again if I've had it? And, and everything that I've seen in the research would say um, typically no, um, that you're not more likely. However, the patients that I see tend to, it, I, it, it tends to I've, recur. Um, so I don't know if I'm just, if that's just who I see or what, but, um, but yeah, it, it's one of the more common ones. Um, as for when you should come in and see a PT, um, I, I always tell patients, you know, it, it comes down to the definition of BPPV again and the, the um, positional aspect of it. So if you, if it's paroxysmal, so it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's positional, meaning, you know, sometimes if I hold my head in one position, it goes away, I feel fine. And when I when I move, it starts to spin again. That's when PT is probably recommended. That's when it's it's likely BPPV, and we could treat it. And I always tell people, you know, if you have any any red flag signs, you definitely want to go to more of a um, an emergency department or urgent care like right away. So if you're, you know, if you're dizzy but you're it's accompanied by lightheadedness, shortness of breath. Um, significant headache, left arm pain, um, things like that. We're, we're thinking it's, it could be a more significant medical condition where it's like, you know, could be cardiovascular, and, and we just want to rule that out. Um, and, and PT probably wouldn't be the place to come for that. So um, that's what I tell people. See your PT if it's, um, if it's positional and it's sudden and you're not having really any other symptoms. Um, I wouldn't see your PT if you have those other red flag signs. And then you have your your gray area, you know, where it's like, well, maybe it's not positional. Maybe it's like I'm always dizzy, and um, uh, but I'm not having really any, you know, I don't have chest pain. I don't have difficulty breathing. I'm not having numbness or, or tingling. Um, I'm not fainting. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough call. Yeah, I've, I've talked with a few patients that have come in and had, you know, Anything ranging from BBPV to uh, other kind of balance, general balance Mm -hmm. conditions and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I've seen patients that have seen another healthcare provider and they've been trying to treat Mm -hmm. their condition or their dizziness and things like that with drugs and things like that. And it's been Mm -hmm. a long time before they find a physical therapist and that finally works. Mm Um, so I guess if there's a message that from my point of view that I'd like to get out is that you, you definitely should see your primary doctor. You should definitely see those, um, healthcare specialists, um, that specialize in balance to make sure nothing grander is going on or worse is going on, but it doesn't hurt to give your PT a call and get in and see if a PT can help because they're well-trained to find that kind of thing. And, and like you, you have, you have extensive training or more training. Absolutely. Um, 
to, to help out, but they also deal on a regular basis with balance as a huge aspect of treating any population of patient. So. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to piggyback off of that too, you know, we're a private practice, so we're not affiliated with any um, network, but we do have a lot of um, doctors that we know and recommend, ENTs as well that we know and recommend. So um, by calling in and sometimes, you, like you said, you can just explain your symptoms and we can go, oh, well, you know, why don't you come in? Or um, we can give some ideas of like, hey, this sounds like this. Let's just be sure. And um, here are a couple of people I would recommend. So um, we're able to push you toward the right place um, from the start. And so it, it doesn't end up being one of these cases where you feel like you're kind of getting um, just referred around um, and no one's giving you an answer. Um, we want to find the right person for you and get you treated with with what's going to help you. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great point, Brady. And I think um, I think just calling in right away, we're able to help in more ways than just treating you. Let's talk a little bit just about balance in general. Um, we talked about the vestibular system, and that's one aspect of balance. Yeah. But there are, I believe, what, two other? Uh, you have, like, yeah. proprioception. Yeah. And yeah. then you Somatic also have visual. Yeah, yeah, vision. So, and, and it all kind of works as a three-headed monster. So, yeah, vision is what you're most reliant on. Um, you're gonna, your eyes are going to give you the most detail. Um, but, you know, you're also going to get information from what you're feeling, you know, the surface of your feet on um, an object, um, typically the ground, but you can have, you know, a hard ground, you can be on grass, you can be on sand, uh, and then the position of your joints. So that's the proprioception is like, you know, your knee is bent and, and you're able to tell without looking at your knee that your knee is bent. Yeah. And, and you want to make sure, um, you, in order to have great balance, you need to train each component of balance. Um, and so, the vestibular system, just like any other system, kind of deteriorates with, with age, unfortunately. And so um, we see it, you know, the older patients get a lot of the time, our treatment sessions will focus on strengthening, but also balance training and safety training to make sure, um, you know, going upstairs is okay. Because you're getting into these like single leg stance positions, and we want to make sure that, that patients are safe. Um, but yeah, so training each one is important and, and particularly um, knocking out vision and, and making sure because one thing we, we hear a lot of is like, well, I wake up in the, at night to go to the bathroom and I, I'm really nervous, you know, because it's dark and I don't, I, I'm, don't want to trip on my way into the, into the bathroom. So we work a lot with patients on training, um, particularly with cutting vision out or um, if not eliminating it, at least uh, making it harder uh, and making you rely on your other systems. So we, we encompass all of the systems that make up balance or your vestibular system. Can you just give me a little short, like how, how would you train just the vestibular system or how are you training yeah. just the visual system or how are you training kind of feeling yourself on different surfaces, walking on grass, that kind of thing? Yeah. So we have different equipment in the gym. You can replicate it at home pretty easily. So, um, you know, the easiest way is to start with your eyes open, standing in, in the middle of a room and um, just stand. And then we start, you know, we'll narrow your base of support. So we'll put your feet closer together and then, you know, we'll put you in tandem stance, which is one foot in front of the other. And then you get into single leg stance. So just taking that base of support where you have a ton of support to 
almost no support and making sure you can still appropriately fire um, your the correct muscles and you can still organize all of that information, um, you know, visually and, and stay upright. Um, and then we have different things like foam mats and um, different, you know, the easiest way to eliminate vision is to close your eyes. But, you know, you can perturb it with like foggy glasses and stuff. Um, there are specific um, eye exercises that we can do to train just the vision um, with um, like certain eye movements, certain tracking. Um, and then we can get into more dynamic um, areas as well. So we have something in here called the HUMAC. Uh, which is a video, basically a video game, but um, you'll hear a lot of PT clinics also use like a Wii Fit um, where it's more dynamic. So things are moving and you're on a balance board. So you have to move as well um, to do a task. We I like to have my, my patients downhill ski. We have a downhill skiing game, which I, I really enjoy doing with them. So um, there's a ton of different ways. And I tell patients too at home, like, okay, we you want to train more on a... Um, uh, What's giving you a hard time are like uneven surfaces or um, getting that input uh, from the ground. So let's train that. You know, why don't when you go home, maybe you don't have a big chunk of a foam block like we do here, but you have a you have a pillow. You know, so I tell people, um, you know, grab grab one of your pillows um, and stand on it, and that'll take out some of the feeling. Or if you if your couch has cushions that come off. You know, put that on the ground and stand on that. Do some marching. Um, do some tandem stance on that. I always tell patients, you know, make sure you're close to a, um, a counter or a table so you have some support because the last thing we want is you to fall when you're not in the gym um, and no one's there around you, right? So uh, we got to structure the environment correctly, but lots of different ways to to attack it and, uh, and give patients what they need. Yeah, we'll probably have to put the disclaimer out there. <laughs> yeah, <that> don't do... <laughs> You should do this under the guidance. the guidance of a professional, whether that's a PT or a doctor or someone who's giving you advice or have the proper safety equipment. So, yeah, no we one, don't want any angry emails. Yeah. Well, Austin said, yeah. yeah, oh no. But uh, so, when should somebody finally say, like, I've been having some issues, I should go in for balance training? When? what signs are you kind of looking for? Or maybe it's, it, it might even be like you're taking care of your parents who are getting older mm -hmm. or your mm -hmm. grandparents or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. What are some signs that you should look for in them that you should probably tell them like, Hey, we, we should get you some help just so that we're preventative on things and mm -hmm. we attack this before you fall or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, well, like I touched on earlier, you know, the vestibular system is the go going to decline with age. So, in my opinion, I think pretty much anybody over the age of 65 should be doing um, some regular balance work. It um, doesn't have to be incredibly structured or um, time-consuming, but just um, challenging your body each day to make sure, like, okay, I'm, um, I'm working on it. But I think some things to look for, um, like, like you said, if you're taking care of a parent or a grandparent and you see, like, you know, maybe they're getting up slower or when they do get up, they are um, unsteady or they're relying on um, like the back of their chair to help support them while they're standing before they start walking. Little things like that, you know, um, we can really work on balance uh, to, to help them improve and not have to do that. Um, the other thing that we talk a lot about 
when I have patients come in and we ask a lot of questions on our initial eval, like, have you had any falls? And almost everyone says, like, no, I, I haven't fallen. I'm, I'm fine. But it's, it's a very um, it's a careful definition. Like, uh, you don't have to completely fall to the ground for it to be considered a fall. So, you know, you might be walking around your home and you just notice, like, you might stumble and have to catch yourself on a on the couch like it's not a it's not a huge deal because you didn't get hurt you didn't fall to the ground but we consider that a fall because you lost your balance and required a um, assistance of some kind to keep yourself upright um and so and when people when we kind of define it that way people go like oh yeah like i i I do that a kind of a lot and i don't really think about it or i have to steady myself on on a wall when i'm going up the stairs you know things like that and they start to go, oh, like that's when maybe maybe I do need to to get a little bit more help with that. So those are some signs that we we try to tell people that hey, pay attention to that. Doesn't mean like you just trip and fall over. And although that would be also an important time to come in, but yeah. And I guess you know, insurances and Medicare and everything else is, is tricky, um, but we can still see patients for for balance related issues mm-hmm. without having an injury. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. So yeah. that's, you know, that's a big thing to consider is like you can get your visits covered by your yeah. insurance and by Medicare and you yeah. don't have to always worry about like, I have to have something really hurting or wrong with me to yeah, come into right. PT and, and address those things. Um, it's better to address it beforehand than have to deal with mm-hmm. an injury on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to transition to the last part of our conversation um, about balance um, and just look at the concussion aspect of things. Um, balance is a one of the major systems that's affected when you have a concussion. And obviously you have experience uh, both coaching and treating athletes mm-hmm. um, or, or just, you know, someone who might bump their head and get a concussion. Yeah. Um, how do you approach someone who comes into physical therapy for concussions? And I think it's not a lot of people know that you can come into physical therapy to help yeah. treat a concussion. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you, how does treatment start and progress, I guess, Yeah. for a concussion? Yeah. Well, and I'm big before they even come in, especially if they're a young athlete, I am a really strong uh, proponent of pre-injury or pre-sport um, participation concussion screening testing a lot of teams are offering that now um just as part of your participation like i don't know if there's a fee associated with that necessarily i know if you're if your team doesn't offer that you you can pay a fee with your doctor and they can do a pre um assessment like this one of the big ones is called an impact test um where they they assess all different kinds of um of things so um, they ask you a lot of questions they do a lot of cognitive stuff balance stuff um, symptoms things like that that all get um, assessed to see you know and the the importance of having a baseline is having something to compare to to say okay you're you're probably over the um, symptoms of the concussion so a lot of a lot of times um, the, the patients that don't have that it's hard to say like okay when can we return to sport or when can we return to activity? Because we don't know your prior level of function. So it's you're really trying to go just based off of symptoms and um, and things like that. So one thing I, I always encourage uh, parents, patients to do is um, if you're participating in activity, you know, 
try to get a, a pre-participation screen impact test, get a, get a score so you know um, this is my normal, this is my baseline. Um, in terms of progressing treatment, you know, we're looking at the whole picture. So there's obviously a component there where the brain is injured. And we're going to try to facilitate that to heal with rest, you know, um, taking care of it, not participating in sport, um, you know, light sensitivity. So wearing sunglasses and, and things like that. We're going to try to manage your symptoms in the in the early stages. Um, but occasionally concussions can um, dislodge some of those crystals. So sometimes patients can have um, BPPV after that. We certainly treat that like we talked about earlier. Um, and many times people aren't, um, concussed, just, um, there's, there's a traumatic event, you know, that, that happens, whether it's sport participation or a car accident. Um, and that's going to play a role on like the cervical spine as well, where people are bracing or whiplash type of injury too. So we're treating a lot of, um, not just for the, the dizziness or the balance, but also the musculoskeletal system around it. And sometimes that's contributing to um, headaches. So, um, for example, I have a patient right now, a lacrosse player, who I just saw a couple of days ago, um, had a pre-sport test, um, has passed his test, um, or just had a, had a recheck, passed his test, so he's at his baseline, but he's still having headaches. And a lot of that's coming just from his cervical spine and his muscles still being so tight and um uh, full of mild fascial trigger points and th that's contributing to his headache. So it's not like, it's not that he still has the concussion, um, but he still has headache pain that we need to eliminate. So, um, you, you're, you push toward taking care of if there's any vertigo, um, from BPPV resolving that any cervicogenic dizziness from, um, m the musculoskeletal system, whether it's like myofascial trigger point, muscle tightness, muscle strains, um, manual therapy techniques, therapeutic exercises, things like that to address, um, to address that. Um, we can also do vestibular exercises. So, um, progressing the vestibular system with eye movement, um, visual tracking balance, um, and making sure that is at or above their prior level of function, um, as well. Um, all go into it and then obviously then you get into well you're missing athletic um, or time from activity so building the cardiovascular endurance activity tolerance all that stuff goes into it so it's a very multifaceted approach and um, and I want to say too that we can do a lot but it is important to work as part of a team too so usually you're working with a physician on that um, as well and you managing the care as best we can um, with a, a full approach or a, f a full team and a comprehensive approach. Yeah, I, I'm, I always say this. I'm super impressed um, at almost all the physical therapists I see in their ability to not only treat what they can treat, but also direct care in the proper ways um, mm -hmm. and make sure that you're seeing who you need to see to get all the goals accomplished that you need to do to return to your activity and maybe even exceed your ability, um, in your activity. So, yeah. um, I think that 
is going to wrap us up for today. Right. We've been going for a while and we've had a really good conversation <laughs> sure. and I, and I really enjoyed it. If you have any questions about uh, dizziness, balance, BBPV, you can visit our website at freedompt.com and you can contact any of our locations and we can direct you to those therapists that have extra training and can help you out and we can help direct you to where you need to go. So have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, Ray. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Freedom Physical Therapy Services, an independent provider of comprehensive physical and occupational therapy services. No matter how challenging your issues, if other treatments have failed, we are determined to help you heal, starting with the very first visit. Four convenient locations in the Milwaukee area. More information at freedompt.com.